Welcome to the preaching podcast of Life Point Church. We're so glad you've joined us here. If you're ever in the Baton Rouge area, please stop by. We'd love to meet you. For more information on our church or Pastor Donovan, please visit our website at golifepoint.com. We are starting our new series entitled The Daniel Chronicles. We're going through the book of Daniel and we're starting tonight. What was the last book we went through? The book of Revelation. So it only makes sense that we go through the book of Daniel next. And uh, there's some awesome stuff in here. I don't know how long it'll take us to go through it. I mean, there's 12 chapters, but that's not saying anything. That could be a year. We're going to try not to make it go that long. But uh, I I think, um, you know, it's amazing how it's broken up, broken down. and, And you've got certain parts of it that just really just... It's like you come to a cliff and then you just do a deep dive into the Mariana Trench. You know, like you're at 300 feet and then all of a sudden you're at 2,000 feet. And it takes a little while to figure some of those things out. Anybody that says the Bible is so simple that a kid could understand it, they've just never really read the Bible. I hear that sometimes. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Now, now, here's the deal. I understand the gospel simple. A kid can understand that. I totally get it. We baptize children, you know what I'm saying, like that are of age. You know, they, they have an understanding, but they're still a child. Uh, okay, well, I'm rambling on here. So uh, the Daniel Chronicles, we're going to start tonight. Why don't we say a prayer before we jump into it? Uh, I need to make, before I do that, i got to make another announcement. This Sunday, March 8th, this Sunday, Daylight Savings Time begins. And the AIM parking lot over here will not be available for LifePoint to use for parking. That includes the grassy area across the street. We have a deal with them. They have a deal with us. They use us. We use them. But this Sunday, we cannot use them. And so we need to make sure that we don't park over there. A lot of you do that. And it's, it's inconvenient, but it really helps the church. But this Sunday, we can't do that. Our parkers will know that. They'll help you. But I'm just giving you a heads up right now. All right, let's say a prayer before we jump into the book of Daniel. Father, thank you so much for your goodness, for your mercy, for your word. I pray that you would help us to understand it, and we give you praise for that in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. Now, Daniel lived from somewhere around 620 to 538 BCE. That was his lifespan. That was... That was when he was on this earth. And I just did a little research to find out what was going on around the world at the same time. So while Daniel was growing up in Judah and then later in Babylon, there were some other things going on. The Acropolis was being built in Athens. The Mayans were dominating Mexico. Aesop was writing his fables. While Daniel was growing up in Babylon, Confucius was growing up in Khufu, China, which incidentally is about 450 miles north of Wuhan, the epicenter of the coronavirus. Confucius say, 
And that's about 4,000 miles from Babylon. Babylon's near Baghdad in modern Iraq. Also, Buddha was growing up around the Nepal-Indian borderlands. That's about 2,300 miles east of Babylon. Greek art was just about to take over the known world. The Greeks introduced the olive tree to Italy. Therefore, we could have an Italian restaurant called Olive Garden. Thanks to the Greeks, thanks to Albasha, there is an Olive Garden. <laughs> Salad and bread. The Phoenicians sailed around the continent of Africa. That was a first. They circumnavigated the continent of Africa. And this was all when, when Daniel was in Judah and in Babylon. The book of Daniel claims to be written by a guy by the name of, can you guess it? Is that a trick question? Daniel. It claims to have been written by Daniel himself. Even though it's written mainly in the third person. Uh, it's in third person throughout the book except in Daniel 8, 1, 9, 2, 9, 20, 10, 2 where he writes, and I, Daniel. And, and I'm pointing this out because uh, I've got a reason for it. I'll tell you in a second. It was customary for ancient writers to speak in the third person even when they wrote about themselves. There's one big exception and that's the book of Nehemiah which is written like a personal diary of Nehemiah himself. And you can even see in the Bible where God switches between the first and the third person grammatically when he speaks of himself. In Exodus 20 and 2, he says, I am the Lord your God. And then just five verses later, 20 and 7, he says, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless. So you have this switching back and forth between first and third person. And the reason I'm saying this is because it's amazing the wars that have been fought over who wrote the book of Daniel uh, in higher criticism and academia. It, like people focused on who wrote it more than the content of the text itself. And, and, and I'm going to tell you why I believe Daniel wrote it is because Jesus said in Matthew 24, 15 and Mark 13, 14, Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, Jesus said that, Daniel wrote the book of Daniel. It's the same with the book of Isaiah. Isaiah, there's scholarly wars that have gone on over first Isaiah, second Isaiah. Part of Isaiah is written by this one. Part of Isaiah is written by that one. And, and, and Jesus quotes from the beginning of Isaiah and in the end of Isaiah and says, Isaiah said thus and so. Isaiah wrote the book of Isaiah. Same with Daniel here. Guzik points out that the book of Daniel predicts events of the second century before the coming of Jesus, especially the period between 175 and 164 BCE. Daniel predicts these events with such precision that doubting critics believe it had to have been written after that period during the time of the Maccabees or between the Old and the New Testaments. Uh, supposedly the, the reason it, it is written at that time or whoever they claim wrote the book of Daniel in that Maccabean period, uh, it, it was to inspire God's people 
uh, into victory, like during the Battle of Masada, etc., during those Maccabean Wars. But to me, that's neither here nor there. I believe Daniel wrote the book of Daniel. I gave you my reasons behind it. But what does the book of Daniel say in the first place? Like, what does it actually say? And I've told you before, when, when I was younger, I felt like you had to believe the Bible is the word of God to get anything out of the Bible. Like, if you didn't believe the Bible is the word of God, then when you heard a preacher preach from the Bible, and you're like, well, I don't believe that's the word of God. I was like, well, man, there's no hope for you. Like, you're going to hell. Because you don't believe the Bible. You don't believe the Bible is the word of God. And I'm preaching from the Bible. And so we're at this impasse. When I realized the Bible is not written for people who believe. It's written for people who don't believe. So they can become believers. And there's something contagious about faith. And it's so contagious that faith comes by hearing the word. Especially Romans 10 says from someone who already believes it. Who is speaking the word. And when they speak the word to somebody who doesn't believe Faith is coming whether that person wants it to or not. Because the word itself is that powerful. So later I lightened up and I'm like, I said, I want to teach you a Bible study. And they're like, I don't believe the Bible's the word of God. I'm like, I don't care. You know, listen to me tell the stories because if you will, I know the trick. If, if you will listen, faith's coming. You're going to have to fight to not believe. Because the Holy Ghost is going to start working with those words and going to start penetrating your brain and dropping into your spirit. That's the way revelation works. And so let's just dive in to the book of Daniel and see what the text actually says. Are you with me? Isn't this exciting? We are back in a series, y'all, like a gigantic book series. I love it. People say, oh, that church, they don't believe fat meat's crazy. They don't get into the Bible you ain't ever been here on a Wednesday, that's for sure. And a Sunday, I might add. Uh, so verses 1 through 3, let's take a look at this. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the articles of the house of God which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God. And he brought the articles into the treasure house of his God. Then the king instructed Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles. Let's stop right there. So this is the year 607 B.C.E. This is the first siege of Jerusalem when it fell to Nebuchadnezzar's. There are three sieges or phases of Babylon conquering Judah, and this is, this is the first. And, and what happened here uh, in these three verses is actually a fulfillment of prophecy from the book of Isaiah 39, 6 through 7. So bear with me. I want to go back in time just a little bit from this, from this passage over a hundred years earlier, the king of Judah, his name was Hezekiah, he got sick. You may remember the story, Isaiah 38. He got sick, and he was about to die. He was so sick that he was about to die. And, and so Isaiah, the prophet, comes to the king, Hezekiah, and, and, and prophesies this horrendous prophecy to him. He looks at him. 
I mean, he's looking for hope, right? He's sick. He's about to die. And Isaiah comes popping in, bebopping in. And the Spirit of the Lord comes on him. And he looks at him and he says, Thus says the Lord, you will die and not live. And Hezekiah is, is all broke up over this. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that he immediately turned from Isaiah, turned his face to the wall, and he began to cry out to God and began to bitterly cry, tears coming down his face. And he prayed this 26-word this prayer in Isaiah 38. He said this, Remember now, O Lord, I pray, how I have walked before you in truth with a loyal heart and have done what is good in your sight. And the Bible says, And Hezekiah wept bitterly. And just like that, God, through the prophet Isaiah, speaks to him and says, I heard your prayer. You get 15 more years to live. I mean, just boom. Thou shalt surely die and not live. Oh, my God, you've got to be kidding me. I've walked before you in purity and truth. And then all of a sudden, boom, no, 15 years. You will live and not die. Let me just remind you something right now. There is something powerful that happens when covenant people pray. Don't ever underestimate the prayers that you pray. You're in a covenant relationship with God. And I might add, the covenant you're in is stronger and better with better promises than the one Hezekiah was in. And look how effective this man's prayers were if his prayers were that were that powerful back then. And the Lord is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We just have an enhanced covenant because of the blood of Jesus that has been shed. Don't ever underestimate the power of your prayers. Jesus said, if you abide in me and I abide in you, you'll ask what you will. And it shall be done unto you. He said, have faith in God. I'm telling you, if you have faith in God, you'll speak to this mountain and say, be moved and cast into the sea. And it will move and be cast into the sea. I still believe that. And what makes that possible? The covenant in which I have been brought, into which I have been brought. I know another verse. We have this confidence that we have, if we ask anything according to his will, we know that we have what we ask. I know another one. You have not because you ask not. I want to encourage somebody in this room tonight. You need to dare to dream. You need to dare to pray some big prayers. Hezekiah got a death sentence. And I'm just going to tell you right now, it says, if we ask anything according to his will, it sounded to me like it was the will of God for him to die. I mean, I'm just being honest with you. Look it up, Isaiah 38. It sounded like it was the will of, thus says the Lord, you will die and not live. Word spoken, right? And he says, oh, God, please, no, 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 you know the integrity of my heart. And the Lord said, okay, you'll live 15 years. Boom, you got it. What did that? Reminds me of Abraham. I'm going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Okay, talk to me. You have, you have influence. How can I say it? Can I hide from my covenant partner what I'm about to do? You've got influence. It's not something to get... The big head about. I mean, but it is something to consider. You got a need? Ask for help from your heavenly father. He, he knows your need before you ask, but 
He's wanting you to ask, to bring it to the Lord in prayer. Oh, what needless pains we carry, all because we do not bring them to the Lord in prayer. So the Lord told Hezekiah, and this is just such incredible mercy. He said, I'm going to give you a sign. Hezekiah didn't ask for a sign. He said, uh, but I'm going to show you something. I, I'm going to move the shadow on the sundial back 10 degrees. Talk about daylight savings time. He said, I'm going to, I'm going to reverse time. How do you get the shadow on a sundial to move backwards other than you move the sun? Which is the Lord can do. Uh, you know, if maybe he made, this, made it appear to move. Maybe he moved the sun, changed the whole universe. I have no idea how he did it, but he said, I'm going to give you a sun. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change time. And Hezekiah was like, wow. That's awesome. Isn't that cool? Like he didn't ask for it, but the Lord said, I'm going to give it to you. Well, the first thing Hezekiah wanted to do was he wanted to go to the house of the Lord. Like, thank you for promising me this. Now, he still had this big old sore, though. Apparently he had this boil or this sore that that was killing him. The Lord says, you're going to live 15 years, but he still had the sore. I'm going to give you a sign. We'll move time back. Okay, but I want to go to the house of the Lord. And because of this sore, look it up, Isaiah 38. He said, because of this sword, I can't, I can't go in the house of the Lord. So could you give me a sign as in, thanks for moving time, but could you like take this, this sore away so I can go to the house of the Lord and worship you? And so the Lord said, uh, get some figs over here. I want you to you know, make some preserves or jelly or something like that. And I want you to put those figs on that sore. And so he did. He put the fig preserves on the sore, and the sore dried up. And he was totally healed, and he went to the house of the Lord. And he was totally and completely healed. It's an amazing story in your Bible. Now listen, the fact that he was dying had spread around the world. The king of Judah is sick. He's about to die. He's he's on his deathbed. He's about to go. And then when he was healed, that word spread throughout the world. And emissaries came from all different nations to congratulate him on his being alive. And there were certain emissaries that came to Jerusalem from Babylon. And, and, and old Hezekiah was so glad to be alive that he got a little arrogant and he began to show off. And he said, hey, why don't y'all come over here into the house of the Lord. Let me show you these gold vessels and these cups and all this stuff that we have here in Jerusalem in serving the God that healed me. And he shows them all this stuff. And as they're walking out, Isaiah walks up and he says, who are those guys? And Hezekiah says, oh, well, there's some emissaries from Babylon. They came to congratulate me on the Lord healing on the Lord healing me. And he said, well, where did you just take them? He said, I took them to the house of the Lord. Where did you show them? I showed them all the vessels in the house of the Lord. And Isaiah got angry. And he prophesied. The Lord moved on him. Isaiah 39, 5-7. Then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, Hear the word of the Lord of hosts. The God of the angel armies. Behold, the days are coming when all that is in your house and what your fathers have accumulated until this day shall be carried away to Babylon. Nothing shall be left, says the Lord, and they shall take away some of your sons who will descend from you, whom you will beget, and they shall be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. And 105 years later, boom, it happened. 
Nebuchadnezzar came and hauled off the treasures from the house of God and put those treasures in the house of his gods in Babylon. And then he hauled off the young men, the princes, and all from Israel, all these, these young guys from Israel, in order that he could groom them to work for him. Isn't that amazing? God knows the end from the beginning. Uh, it, it, it's just, it's just incredible. Right there you see the, the power of prayer. You see the power of the word. And, and you see this, you see this prophecy come to pass. Kids he didn't even have yet. We're going to have kids. And those kids would be hauled off. His arrogance got him in trouble in the end. Nebuchadnezzar got the cream of the crop. He got the beautiful, the smart, the wise. People like Donovan, you know. Woo, I heard an amen. My word, Randy, come on now. Me and you, we, you'd, have gotten a, we'd, have been, we'd have been first on the list. He's like, I want Randy uh, and I want, I want Donovan. Uh, yeah, that's who I want. The beautiful, the smart, the wise. And he taught them the language, the culture, the customs. Look at verses 4 through 7. Young men in whom there was no blemish, but good looking. Oh, man. Had their hair product. Gifted in all wisdom and possessing knowledge and quick to understand. Who had ability to serve in the king's palace and whom they might teach the language and literature of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies and of the wine which he drank and three years of training for them so that at the end of that time they might serve before the king. Now from among those of the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. To them the chief of the eunuchs gave names. He gave Daniel the name Belteshazzar. To Hananiah, Shadrach. To Mishael, Meshach. And to Azariah, Abednego. So here you have, we'll stop there. Here you have three years of immersion into this Chaldean, Babylonian culture, language, customs, protocol. Now the king's meat that's mentioned here, this, this, the delicacies, this, this idea of, of the king's meat is, is uh, it, it would be, generally speaking, this is, this is meat that has been harvested from sacrifices to pagan gods. Chuck Smith points out in those days a person, whenever they butchered a lamb or a cow or whatever, they would usually offer it as a sacrifice to their gods and then they would go ahead and, and eat uh, part of it. They, they would... Here's what they would do. They would take the filet mignon and they would burn up the liver. You know, like, you can have the liver. I'll take the filet mignon. You know, it was a sacrifice. But they, they would keep the, the good stuff and burn up the, the bad stuff as a sacrifice to their gods. And, and, and so it, it, was, it was common. That was even common uh, throughout other cultures. And it was passed on. Uh, all the way up until the New Testament. You see in 1 Corinthians 8 and 1 Corinthians 10 and Acts 15, you see where, where uh, 
there was a big struggle in Corinth because there were guys that were eating meat that was offered to, to idols in, in, in that culture. And some brothers were like, I could never eat meat that's offered to idols. And Paul's trying to make the case that it, it doesn't matter. Those are false gods. It's not, the stuff's not real. I mean, I know there's demons and et cetera. But he said, the, the, just thank God for the meat and eat the meat. In other words, the butcher shops were full of meat that were part of ritual killings. So you, you, it was hard to get your hands on some meat that wasn't tainted with that kind of ideology. Are you with me? And so in the New Testament, they're like having this controversy. You've got some guys that are like, who cares? You know, like, let's dig in, you know, put, a, put another one on the Barbie type thing. And there were other guys that are they're like, I can never eat that. It's been tainted by the, the rituals of this pagan culture. And they're like, thank, you know, thank God, you know, like, thank God for meat. And so Paul's dealing with that. This is the idea here. Daniel was saying, I, I don't want anything to do with this meat because... It's 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 util, it's it's used in the worship of all your false gods. He didn't want any part of it, and, and we're going to see uh, that he requested to be free from this this particular portion of what the king offered. We'll talk about that in a minute. Now the Babylonians changed their names. Daniel and the three Hebrew boys or children, as they're traditionally called, and they all had names with a. Uh, Originally, with a portion of Jehovah, with the Lord God, the one true and living God's name in them. Daniel, 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 the L there is, God is my judge. Hananiah, uh, part of the Jehovah. Jehovah is gracious. Michelle has the L in it again. He who belongs to God. These are the meanings. Azariah, meaning Jehovah helps. But, but this... Ashpenaz guy, this, this guy that was over them, gave them Babylonian names that, that related to Babylonian deities. Daniel became Belteshazzar. Boy, that got complicated quick, didn't it? Right? And it seems to have meant, and I'll tell you why I'm saying that in a few minutes, it seems to have meant Baal's prince. Baal was one of the gods of the Babylonians. Hananiah became Shadrach, which seems to have meant illumined by the sun god. Mishael became Meshach, which seems to have meant who is like Shak. Shak is another one of the Babylonian deities. Azariah became Abednego, which seems to have meant servant of Nego, which was another one of the Babylonian deities. So Balthasar, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, they, uh, they were profane names to these one God Jews. They were blasphemous, but that's how they would be identified. He took away their Hebrew names, which connected them to their God. The devil was trying to erase who they really were. Their true identity. He was trying to steal that from them. He comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I'm going to tell you something today. The, the devil's no different in this day and age. When it comes to the covenant people of God, he wants you to forget. He wants to erase from you who you really are. 
He wants you to lose touch with your true identity and your connection with the true and living God. We serve a mean devil, y'all. And, and, and he's come down in great fury. And he's, he, he's going to attack people who are in a covenant relationship. Why? Why is that? Because the will of God, the plans of God, the purposes of God are being fulfilled and pushed forward through his people. We are the body of Christ. If the work of God is being done, it's being done through us. We're in a relationship with him, y'all. It's not just ritual and formality and, and all kind of pomp and circumstance. It is flesh and blood living it out day to day. These are his hands. These are his feet. This is his mouth. I preach the word. I lay hands on the sick. We are a representation of Jesus Christ. And further than that, the Lord inhabits the praises of his people. Not only does he say, when you've done it under the least of these, you've done it under me. You've got this partnership going on where, where there's this, this covenant situation going on. But when we praise and worship the Lord, he's in the middle of all of that too. Why would the devil not come against us and try to get us to forget who we really are? But he'll use anything, y'all. He uses discouragement, anxiety, fear, intimidation. One of his big tools. He'll use condemnation. You make some mistake. You make some kind of uh, have some kind of trouble in your life. And, oh, the Lord don't love you anymore. The Lord don't want anything to do with you anymore. He's just written you off. He'll use all kinds of pressure and trouble to try to get you to forget who you really are. But I love the way Daniel handled this. Verse eight. But Daniel purposed in his heart. That he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now, this is interesting because he doesn't say, I hate that name. You can't call me by that name. Apparently, they had already said, this is who you are. You will answer to this. Daniel could not do anything about where he was, Babylon. Daniel could not do anything about what he was being called. But he pushed back on what he ate and what he drank. He held on to a semblance of who he really was. And if you go back in Scripture, you'll see one of the big things that still identifies Jews to this day is what they eat. Is it kosher or is it not? You go to some parts of town, we had no idea. We went to a delicatessen in New Orleans. What's the name of that place? I felt like I was in Jerusalem. I hadn't seen that many Jews in one place since I was in Jerusalem. I mean, with the with the... All the stuff, man, and and uh, and awesome food, plenty of hummus, awesome. Everything was kosher, though. To this day, one of the distinguishing characteristics of Jews is their diet. And Daniel pushed back on the diet. Uh, th this is we are not like that. And and the Lord blessed him for his faithfulness in this arena. Uh, let me just say this right now. There's some there's some things you can't change. You, you might not be able to change where you are. In your station in life, in your season of life, 
relationships. You, you might not be able to change what the people say about you. But, but there has to be, let me put it this way, there has to be some place in your life where you draw a line and you say, this is who I am. This far and no further. I, I don't want to change this. I am not moved. I'm not budging off this. Daniel knew who he was. And I would say to this day, we don't call him Belteshazzar, do we? To this day, because of his insistence on being true to his true self, we still call him Daniel. And when he called himself, he said, I, Daniel, did this. I, Daniel, did Not Belteshazzar. God is my judge is what his name meant. And he apparently was pushing back from the very get-go. In my study, I saw where scholars say that the names, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, those four Babylonian names, Daniel apparently added extra letters or put slight misspellings in there. So, So we theorize that these names referred to these gods like Belshazzar, Shaduku, Meshaku, and Abednebo. And it was to honor these pagan deities, Marduk, Aku, Nebo, uh, strange sounding things. But Daniel apparently purposefully misspelled those words to redirect so you wouldn't have a direct connection with a Babylonian deity. He's like pushing back any way he could. He purposed in his heart. Sometimes you just got a purpose in your heart. I don't care what pressure is going on around me. This is who I am. I have purposed in my heart. There's some things I will never change. It's amazing. I love that. I love that about Daniel. Brendan preached about this at the youth rally the other night. Did an awesome job. That youth rally was phenomenal. Verses 9 through 11. Now, God had brought Daniel into the favor and goodwill of the chief of the eunuchs. This guy's like the head of the house. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord the king who has appointed your food and drink. For why should he see your faces looking worse than the young men who are your age? Then you would endanger my head before the king. So Daniel said to the steward whom the chief of the eunuchs had set over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Bottom line here, this guy was saying, Daniel, I'm, I'm afraid. I, I love my king, and uh, I respect him at least. And he told me to feed you and to take care of you. And, and if you start getting skinny, he said, I'm, I'm afraid for uh, I'll endanger my head. You know what that means, right? He'll kill me. If I start taking away his investment in you, it, Daniel said, we, we're not going to eat that food. And this guy's like, you got to eat the food. i gotta, I got to fatten you up. If you, if you do not look healthy, then I'm in trouble. And, and, and I, I'm the one that's in charge of your health. So verse, verse 12 through 16, listen to this. Please test your servants for 10 days. Let them give us vegetables to eat and water to drink. Talk about the Daniel fast. This is where it all started for crying out loud. This is miserable right here. My Lord. Man, they, they couldn't eat catfish. They, they couldn't eat shrimp. They, they'd have never, well, I shouldn't say that. I guess Louisiana's like babbling, right? <laughs> they would have, it would have been tough. Anyhow, he said, 
Give us vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance be examined before you and the appearance of the young men who eat the portion of the king's delicacies. And as you see fit, so deal with your servants. In other words, let's put this to the test. Those over there, the control group, they're eating all the stuff you want them to eat. We're just eating water and vegetables. He consented, he consented, consented with them in this matter and tested them 10 days. And at the end of 10 days, their features appeared better and fatter in flesh than all the young men who ate the portion of the king's delicacies. Thus the steward took away their portion of delicacies and the wine that they were to drink, and he gave them vegetables. And I'm assuming there is some bean counter behind the scenes in Babylon that's like, oh, we, we just saved some money over here on, on, on the, the menu. This is fantastic. Love these guys. Verse 17. And as, the, as for these four young men, God gave them knowledge and skill and all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding and all visions and dreams. Now at the end of the days when the king had said that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. Then the king interviewed them. And among them all, uh, among them all none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Notice he puts those names there. They served before the king. And in all matters of wisdom and understanding about which the king examined them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers who were in all his realm. Daniel continued until the first year of King Cyrus. This is amazing. They were ten, stand with me right now, they were ten times better than all the king's wise men, soothsayers, magicians, astrologers. And Daniel continued through the entire reign of Nebuchadnezzar, his grandson Belshazzar, even in the first year of King Cyrus. And on through the reign, we see him with Darius and Cyrus. It's, it's just amazing. Here's what I'm here to tell you. If God kept those boys in what was their last days, God can keep us in these last days, our last days. In the last days, perilous times shall come. In the last days, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh, right? Bad times coming in the last, all kind of perilous times. You can read that in the book of Timothy, all kind of trouble that's coming. But I know a God who never leaves us and never forsakes us and says, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. If God kept them in their Babylon, he can keep us in our Babylon. Babylon, we've talked about it in our series in the book of Revelation. Babylon is, is, is mentioned in the book of Genesis, it's mentioned in the book of Revelation, it, it, it represents the best man can do. and it, It's a vicious system that is, is, makes life for covenant people harder. But I don't think it's a coincidence that in 1 Peter 5.13, Peter writes and he says, Hey, by the way, the church that's at Babylon salutes you. What? You mean there's a church? Yeah, because the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I've told you before, Hollywood's no match for the Holy Spirit. 
They can put up all kind of barriers and, wow, that culture is just a cesspool and it's rotten. Who could be saved? I'll tell you who could be saved. Sinners could be saved in Hollywood. Amen? Just like sinners were saved in Baton Rouge and in Prairieville and, and, and Shreveport and wherever you came from, the Holy Spirit can move in those situations. Peter said, the church at Babylon salutes you. And I'm here to tell you today, there's a church in Iraq, in Baghdad, right up the road from Babylon, in a place where you would think it's impossible for, be, for there to be a church there. I'm here to tell you, there's a church in Baghdad today. Why? Because there's some Daniels, there's some Shadrachs, Meshachs, and Abednego. Sorry I didn't call them by their other names, the right names. I called them by those pagan names because that's how I've memorized them. That's okay. They kept the faith. So whatever you're going through, take heart today. In our first installment of Daniel, you need to understand, if they made it, you can make it. Lift your hands to them right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I will not be squeezed into this world's mold. They can push, they can prod, they can put the pressure on. But greater is the pressure in me driving me than the pressure trying to collapse me in Jesus' name. Devil, you are a liar. And when you tell me that I can't go any further, that's just evidence to me that I can go further. If Hezekiah could pray a prayer that powerful, how much more so in a better covenant with better promises can our prayers be effective? In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you were blessed. For more information on our church, Pastor Donovan, or service times, please visit our website at golifepoint.com.